Operabi podcast, dedicated to points of view, challenges, experiences, and best practices for managing your enterprise data. Operabi is the data intelligence and automation platform that empowers organizations to truly control and leverage their data without complexity. Good afternoon, everyone. Daryl Richardson here, the Chief Platform Evangelist for Operavi. Today, we are going to take a look at the process of finding data based on a DSAR or your GDPR requirements. So the process of responding to GDPR regulatory requests can be a very tedious, very time-consuming, very frustrating process without the right tools in place um, to expedite the, re the request. Um, businesses created the problem, their lack of control and proper data management over personal and sensitive data types is pretty much the main reason why there are now privacy laws on the books in most countries around the world. So finding data based on a DSAR um, can be like finding a needle in a haystack unless you have a proper data governance tool in place to manage the data. And if you look at the uh, increasing regulations that continue to evolve uh, year over year, the regulations change. They, um, there's some things that are added or updated. There's others that may be um, removed or, or deleted, right? So you, you have to have processes in place to manage all of these regulations uh, that your company may need to adhere to. So there's a couple of processes down um, that have, you know, around the internet, you could find a lot of processes on, you know, you know, what's the right process, right? So I, I found a couple of good ones, um, but this one here is pretty much the most complete in my eyes. Um, so and we're gonna talk about all these processes. So uh, the first step is initiate. Um, the second step is process. The third is locate. The fourth is respond. And then the last is the recording of the information. So we're going to talk about each one of these and, and what, what the processes are actually. So first, of course, is initiate the request. So obviously, obviously there are some things that the requester needs to do first. Uh, so they may have to go to the website for this company that they're requesting their information from. Um, they may need to write or mail the request to uh, the organization. Um, you know, typically they may use like a, a signature required letter or that kind of thing, you know, so that they get some proof that it was received. You know, but um, there's a couple of things that the organization can actually do um, for this as well. Um, you know, there's a couple of things like that would exclude the organization from having to respond to a request like this. So, and they can actually deny the request. This would be like things like if this requester is making a repeated request to the same organization with no real reason stated. Um, there are some requests that could be determined to be unfounded or a repeated request for the same information from the same person. Um, and, and if this is the case, then the responding organization could charge a reasonable fee to produce the data. A request that is unfounded, however, is usually an attempt at disrupting a company or would be considered malicious in nature. These types of requests, obviously the organization can, can deem you know, invalid or they don't have to respond to them. So, so anyway, so, that, so after that initiation has been made and the request has been made, the, the next process is to process the request. So 
the request is analyzed by the source organization for any type of exempt information or you know they're going to review it to see if it's been repeatedly made or if there's some unfounded reason you know so you're usually it's going to go to your gdpr officer or you know somebody who's managing these requests um, and then the request is actually uh, dated uh, and then you have about 30 days to respond as an organization and uh, usually the process is um, uh, or the request is assigned to some records officer or a data officer so once that process is done, the next process would be locating the data. So let's also address the efficiency aspect here because locating the data within an enterprise data set can be extremely daunting. Um, and it usually makes people people cringe when they, they have to do this process and because and, they know how painful some of these processes can be. Uh, you If you have your storage across, you know, 30 or 40 different file shares and you know all these are individual storage locations you, you literally have to search every one of them you know individually so yeah it can be really tedious to do this um, unless of course you're prepared uh, so taking a proactive effort to manage the data lifecycle could help process these requests much more efficiently um, almost seamless so, uh, you know, if you use, you know, complete data management platforms like Operavi's platform, the platform collects all the contents of the files, collects all the metadata of the file, and then adding that uh, above the classification aspect as well. So those three elements would help to cull down the information really quickly once you're looking to fulfill these requests based on whatever information you're trying to locate. You could be looking for, you know, simple names, like I want to find all the names of files uh, that contain my name or, or the requester's name, or maybe there's a social security number or address or phone number, um, email, alias, um, you know, personal IDs, online identifiers, uh, IP addresses, account numbers, driver's license numbers, you know, all these things people may have produced to your organization and, and they want that data collected for some reason or deleted or removed because you have the right to be forgotten within the GDPR processes. So, you know, of course, building that complex uh, query to locate all that data is, is kind of difficult as well, especially when you're looking at 30 different locations. So having Operavi's platform in the middle that's kind of a central location to search and find all of the data that you're looking for, it's obviously going to be much more efficient. So finding these types is finding these types of information, like the personal and sensitive information that are covered by the GDPRs, is much easier if you have uh, the platform in place. So the, the platform also allows for like a single keyword uh, context type search, you know, if you do a search for the name like John Laird, so you would open up the find features or the, uh, and, and just basically look for the name John Laird and see how many documents show up because you've collected all of the data in the organization and you now have one single place to search all your files. So if you did a search for John Laird, you might find there are, let's say a hundred files to make it easy. Do we have to collect all 100 files? I mean, what else is in those files, right? Just because it has his name on it doesn't really mean it's specific to him, right? It could be 
thousands of names in the same form. Who knows, right? So now you can add another facet to that. So you would say, let's add John Laird as the first facet and then add maybe his address or maybe one of these numbers or some request inf requested information that he's looking for and that he wants to see. So you can quickly cull the information down to a much more relevant data set just by adding the facets onto uh, your traditional search, you know. So it's not just like your Windows search where you go to your Windows um, Explorer, type in the word at the top right, and then you see all the all the files, you know, they just start coming as long as indexing is on or indexing is on on the on Windows filer, you could you could do that. Um, it's pretty tedious, but you could still find all the information that you're looking for, but it's it's certainly not cleaner um, to do it that way. So you, you also have to produce how the information was being used and where the information is being stored. So when you find all the data that you deem as relevant to this request, you would need some sort of reporting um, tool that would export all of the information, uh, you know, like the dates of the files, the names of the files, the types, the size, um, you know, these kind of things. And then you could actually send the report back to this requester and say, based on the information that was in your request initially, this is what we found. And you would get some sort of an acknowledgement back from them saying, yeah, that's fine. Just, you know, perform the action, right? So whatever that action might be, um, is, is takes us to the next step here after we've located the data, is, which is the respond to the data. So again, your, your organization has 30 days to respond to the request. Uh, you have to respond back and, and let the... Uh, the requester know how the data was being used and what types of data you have on them. And then, of course, part of the response is also to take the action. You know, so once you take the action, and the action is, you know, there's, there's only a couple things that you're going to do. Um, one of them would be, obviously, is that right to be forgotten. So you could delete the files and then provide a second report that would say, there's no more files here based on the information that we had already collected and the information that we had agreed on. Here's the new report showing all the files are gone. You would have a, a report beforehand which showed all the files and their locations and then you would have one after the fact, after the action's been done. So other things that the requester might ask is to simply copy or export the data and then provide that information to the requester. And this doesn't necessarily mean you have to delete it. They just want a copy of it. Um, and in some cases, they may want to move it to another organization as well. So if you're if you're collecting personal information at your location in your business, and these requesters move somewhere to another location, they may ask to have their data moved over to the other office that's closer to their new residence. You know, so you'd have to copy and export that data, delete it from your location and then move it to the new location within the same organization right so it's a it's a it's a copy it's a it's a move request and then of course there's the modify request as well so maybe there's a misspelling in a name or there's an address that needs to be changed or whatever so the requesters would actually say here this is my old address find all of my information in your 
environment and change it to a new address and then show me that you made those changes. So these are things that through the responding aspect you would have to manage uh, appropriately within this 30-day period. So the the response actually is where you actually take the action um, and then you have a, a before and an after report. So something that's not on the um, the original process is the record process, you know, so the record process, although it's not a mandate for the organization, it is a good management practice to maintain solid GDPR request records for your own personal use within your organization. The records should show things like when the delete occurred or when it was removed from the system, uh, when it was copied or exported, you know, when you actually did these processes. Recording information like the actual requests the date of the first response, the date the action was taken, will also protect your organization from future litigation or reputational damage. Um, this information could also help in the event of a data breach, whereas after a breach has occurred, a requester wants to know if their data was part of that breach, you would have documentation around the requester's data and what, if any, uh, data was still maintained uh, regarding that requester's information. So basically you would have a set record retention schedule to keep the requester information um, for a specific amount of time, right? You know, so if there's some sort of a lawsuit or some sort of the requester comes back two years later and says they, they you know, they don't have any proof that you deleted their information and now they're going to take you to court or try and get money from you, you would have all those records um, that you could respond you know, refer back to and says, here's the information that happened on this date. These are the files. These are, this is the email string. This is the letter or whatever that we sent that said, these are the files and these are the ones we're going to perform this requested action on. And then after the fact, after you did the action, you would have another report saying that these are all gone or the new changes have been made. So that just protects you guys um, out there. So obviously with all of the data that is um, out there, you know, there's, more dependence on data automation. So data automation can evaluate data much more effect uh, effectively and evaluate data at unheard of speeds. Um, some intelligence-driven applications that capture small amounts of metadata can evaluate, you know, at least they claim, you know, one and a half million files an hour, right? I mean, if if the basic metadata, like the age, the file name, the size, the type, is all that's needed. Um, you know, you could get through an entire average enterprise at 365, you know, terabytes of data, which would be somewhere around 365 million files, you know, on, on average, it would take about 365 hours to evaluate the entire data set. It's not bad if that's all you need is that small amount of metadata that's there. Um, but with Operabi, you capture all of the information about the files. So obviously you're not just capturing five or six different metadata fields, you're collecting all the content, you're collecting all the metadata, which in some cases is over 60 different fields. And then you're classifying data too. So Operavi is never gonna hit that one and a half million files per hour aspect just because we're collecting 200, 300% more information than other applications are. You know, so. But once you have the information in the platform and, and it's there ready to mine or use, then 
you know, you're looking at a complete data set that's in a single location and you have everything about the file that you would ever need, you know, so you don't even need to go back to the original file unless you actually did have to perform some sort of action, you know, and, and including where you've moved data to cloud resources. If you're doing, you know, your typical searches in a cloud resource, a lot of these cloud storage locations will add egress fees. Uh, so, you know, anytime you access the information there, there's a charge, right? I mean, it's, that's why it's so cheap to get the data up to the cloud, but it's not cheap to manage the data in the cloud because anytime you pull it back, you're getting charged, you know, three, four times more than it costs to get it up there. And then every time you access it, which is a search, you know, you would, you would get charged as well. So you really have to be careful about that information. You know, also, you know, identifying the redundant, obsolete, or trivial information. You know, and this this may have the names of some of these people that are requesting data, right? And it's just junk, right? It's just because their name was on a distribution list or their, you know, their name was part of a, a, a winning contest or something, right? You know, so, you know, in any of those type of issues, you know, that, that data holds very little value to your organization, but it does hold a lot of risk, right? You know, so if you can identify the rot information and remove it, or at least manage it better, where you move it to a cheaper, longer uh, archive tier of storage, it's a lot cheaper and you won't ever need to access probably 98% of that data. You'd never need to access it again. And if you ever did need to search it, you would have all the data in Operavi's platform, which already is there. So you can do your searches of the metadata and you could see the classification of the information. If there's GDPR related information, it would show under classifications. And then of course that contents, you know, so that contents becomes valuable when you're looking at the logical ways of finding data within the enterprise. So in the next three years, we can expect to see a shift to a more agile workforce. Uh, automating data management processes and GDPR requests will be the key to, to an organization's successful deployment of a more streamlined data compliance and governance workload. The Operavi data intelligence and automation platform will be a key application to expedite these requests. Uh, assess the level of effort needed to collect or process the data. Um, you know, look at things like how much data it's going to be, like the, the total size of the data set that you're going to have to look at. With all of the data about the data being kept in a single user interface, locating, locating the data by nature will be more efficient and managing the data lifecycle will also be complete processes. You would also be providing the tools necessary for your chief data officer or your regulatory officers that handle these GDPR requests to have a single point of, of finding all the information that's relevant to these requests that are coming down. So with that, I appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully this was helpful. You know, stay tuned for more podcasts coming up and everyone have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Operavi podcast. For more information, see operavi.com or contact us directly via email at info at You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for the latest news, tips, and insights on data intelligence and automation. We'll be back soon with more, so if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review, or share with a friend or colleague. Thanks, and see you soon.